Well, it's great to be together today. Welcome. Uh, if you're here with us for the first time, we've been preaching a series called Simplify. And I know that uh, if you're like me, we need to simplify our lives, right? Keep it streamlined, get away all the things that we don't need to be dealing with. And uh, hopefully that God's Word, I believe, is going to be able to help us do that today uh, in a great way. And I wanted to... Uh, Welcome somebody back to our fellowship who's been away for a while and sick. Sue Hernandez is right on the first row there. And uh, we missed you. I got to say hi to her earlier, so make sure you get to uh, encourage her. She had some kind of illness that was going around. I can't remember what it was, but we're so happy to have you back. And uh, we have been praying for you. And today the sermon is called All Your Soul. And you might remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about loving God with all your mind and taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ and demolishing those strongholds, which are basically Satan's lies that we believe and demolishing those with the word of God, not just living with our shield of faith, but living with the sword of the spirit and going on the offensive for God and protecting our mind that really the spiritual war begins and really ends with our minds. And last week we talked about, or Jake talked about, loving God with all your strength. Giving him everything you had, not just with your body, but with your, your, your energy, your heart, and that God has given us this temple, not just physically, but spiritually, and he wants us to take care of both uh, in an amazing way. So today, when we talk about loving God with all your soul, from the same scripture as we're trying to simplify the greatest commandment to be able to put it into our lives. And now the uh, a disclaimer as we get started, when I first started looking at this, I thought, you know what, since we're talking about the soul, many of us have grown up on the scripture, Hebrews 4.12, that says, you know, that the word of God can divide soul and spirit joints and marrow. Remember that scripture? Yeah. So I thought, okay, today's going to be the day when we're going to figure out what is the difference between the soul and the spirit. And by the way, I'm saying that, you know that it's not going to happen today. Yeah. <laughs> As I looked in the Bible, it, the spirit, the soul, the Holy Spirit, and even the evil spirit were all called by the same words. And so I don't even, I, I'm not a Greek linguistic guy. <laughs> Uh, so we're just going to simplify, and if you figure that out in your lifetime, that's awesome. If not, we'll ask Jesus when we get to heaven. But today we're going to talk about loving God with all your soul. And I came up with this, I found this definition that I slightly altered, but it says the spiritual or immaterial part of a human being that is regarded as immortal. That was the Webster's Dictionary. I added in there as supremely valuable because I thought, I think valuable. We're very valuable too. But if you think about you, we have, we all have something inside of us that is immortal, that can never die. You know, we're drawn to certain movies like that. Some of the old school movies that you guys might remember, like Highlander. And then I'm sure there's a lot of new movies that a lot of other people that you might like. But when you, you think about these, immo- in this valuable, immortal piece of us that was put there by God, and that's what we're going to talk about. And 
we're talking about valuable, so I promise this might be the last time. Okay? This is probably the last time. If you're sick of this, this is the last orange. Okay, so you're probably praising Jesus that you don't have to hear any more about this dumb orange tree until next year. But, you know, if you're, you know, wondering where it's going to go in the future, I just ordered a juicer. Okay, so that'll be next year. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, when that comes. But, you know, it, it's something special when you when you put everything into something and you see the result, right? You get this valuable orange. Who, who, wants, who wants the last most valuable orange? Okay, I think I... Well, let's give it to somebody visiting. Oh, oh, it's a deflection. It was deflected, and it was a good-spiritedly given back by Luke LeBerge. You know, so God has given us something valuable. When I started thinking about valuable, I started thinking of something else. You know, I took a picture of Danielle's wedding ring, and just thinking about, you know, you guys just see, oh, that's a ring, that's cool. Uh, but I remember the day when I got on a knee at the top of Mount Mansfield in Vermont, and it didn't have all those diamonds. It was just the one, right? And she starts crying, and everybody's excited, and we went back and had a big party with everyone, and now the roses and all that. But it was even more special later, you know, right before her mom passed, she gave me this ring of hers, and so for our fifth wedding anniversary, it became this. So you have the big one that was from me to Danielle. Then you have the five that were from her mom. And then you have the baguettes that we just kind of added in there um, to make it this amazingly valuable thing. You know, but what I want you to realize, and I have it here in my hand. Um, she's hoping that I don't lose this thing right here. <laughs> Anybody ever lost a wedding ring? Guys don't count because they don't have the jewels on them, but uh, we won't make you admit if you lost your wedding ring somewhere. But if you think about, I'm going to use this, this is your example today that God has given you this diamond, which is your soul. He's put it inside of you, and now he's put you in charge, and he's, he's put you as a steward of this incredible gift, Okay. And I found a few scriptures that talk about how valuable it is. But my first point before we get there is don't ignore your soul. Sorry, that didn't come out quite right on that slide. Don't ignore your soul. That people can live through life and not realize that they have this incredibly valuable thing inside of them. They don't realize that they have this immortal soul that God has given them. And they just, you just live... Day to day, you live by the physical, and you don't realize what God has done. You know, some certain people in the Bible, it says that they their souls, they realize, you know, Mary, she gets told that she's going to bear Jesus, and she says, my soul glorifies God. That she was just flying spiritually because she was tapping into this amazing gift. You know, even Jesus, when he said, I will give you rest, for your souls. How valuable is it? Well, Jesus said that 
God would stop everything and search for you as he would a lost sheep or a lost coin. That he would, that the universe would stop and he would look for you, just one person. That you were more valuable than everyone else who's already found him, that he's on a mission to find you. And he even compares it to a son that returns home after a long journey. And he's the father on the porch looking every day, waiting for you and waiting for me to come back. In a different story, in Matthew 13, it says that if you sold everything you had for, for your soul, it would be a bargain. That you would buy that field with the treasure in it and feel like, man, I got the best deal in the world. I got this immortal gift that God has given me. And in Proverbs, it says a similar thing. Though it costs you all you have, get wisdom. That everything else is to be utterly scorned compared to the value of your soul. I bet, I wonder if you realize when you came in today how valuable you are. Because if you're not valuable, then you will just live any way you want. That it won't be something that you want to take care of. But when you realize, wait a second, I have this gift from God inside of me and that changes how I live. That changes what I put into myself. That changes what I look at. That changes who I want to be. That I want to value this. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time and has set eternity in the human heart. Some people call it the ego or superego. Some people are into the law of attraction that when you put out positive energy, that positive energy comes back to you in the form of other people. Some people call it being one with the universe. And they can get everything out of their minds so they can just be connected to the universe. And what would I say to that? You realize that something inside of you is that great. That you really do have eternity in your hearts. You may call it this or you may call it that. We're here to see what God and Jesus calls it today. But some people can go their whole lives and not realize that that is even there. In John chapter 3, Jesus comes across a guy who was so confused by this point. And I know many of you have already come in touch with the fact that God has given you this. And yet sometimes, even though we know it's there, we don't value it like we need to and like God wants us to. In verse 1 of John 3, it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. Man, you just feel the faith. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And so many times we can be that person. God, how are you going to do this? I can't see it. I don't understand it. This doesn't make any sense. I can't touch it. 
I can't put my hand on it. This has never happened before. I don't have any experience that I could pull up. That would help me in this situation. And we judge Nicodemus. He had a lot of faith. But he still was not quite sure. And maybe that describes you or me. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. To be born again. To start your life again, fresh. This is the passage that they would use for baptism in the first century to talk about starting your life over. That God can take all the bad away and give you a new start. But it starts with acknowledging the soul that he gave it, gave to us in the first place. You know, it's amazing when you think about this is an extremely deep topic. Right? If your brain's going too fast, you're not going to think much about your soul. If, if, if you're worried about something, you're not going to think much about your soul. And I pray that you can focus on what's most important right now. Let's say a prayer before we continue. Father, I pray that you help us, even at this time, God, that I know in so many ways we can be like Nicodemus. God, where we want to see and we want to feel, we want to touch. But God, I pray that you can help us to understand your spirit. Help us to understand what you've given us. I pray you get me out of the way in the next few minutes that we can really appreciate, value, and protect the soul that you've given us. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is where it gets pretty amazing. In Ephesians 1, it says, You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee, who guaranteeing our inheritance. That somehow, when you came to Christ, God took that eternal part of you and put his name on it. I don't know if he did that with like some spiritual magic marker, ultra permanent style or what he did, but he somehow marked you that someday he's going to turn that in and you're going to get what you were created to get. That only the people who are marked with the spirit are going to receive it in the end. You know, and so there's some miraculous thing happening that not only does everyone have eternity in their hearts, but true Christians have eternity plus this marking and sealed by the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And then there's power and there's love and there's value and you are marked with Jesus. You're part of his family. You're his brother and his sister, even co-heirs with Christ is what the Bible says. In 3 John, verse 2, he says, Dear friend, I pray that you are in good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. 
even as your soul is getting along well, going towards its final destination, which is God who gave it. And so I pray that you consider that, that you don't ignore your soul and that you focus on that. My second point is don't exchange your soul. Now I'm having a hard time finding that page. Here we go. Don't exchange your soul. Imagine this. I'm going to come out here and uh, find my friend Josh Farmer here again. And I'm going to give you this. And I'm going to take that orange. It's been dropped on Okay, it's it's been it's a mutilated orange. This has been this orange has been disrespected. <laughs> what did I just do right there? I exchanged something of high value for something of low value. Right? This was valuable. I mean, I was excited about this. This was amazing. This was the last orange. But when I gave away my wife's red wedding ring for this orange, there was something messed up with that, right? And so, but Jesus says that people do this all the time. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so this happens all the time when we have all done it. We've taken this amazing gift and we've traded it in for an orange. And how do we feel about that? How do we feel about that? You might be thinking, well, that that's that's... That's horrible. That's the worst thing. That was, that was ridiculous. And yet, how, you know how we really feel about that? Where'd you get the orange? Oh, I've been in love with this orange for two months now. You know, we met. It was love at first sight. I mean, I was just like, man, this is my soulmate. I am so excited. We've been flying high ever since we're un, we know we're together all the time. It is the most amazing thing. I think this is the one. And what do we say? I want one of those oranges too. We're jealous. You're jealous of my orange. Man, where did you meet? How did you meet her? How? Wow. And we were struggling because people have exchange, made the exchange and we're struggling with their oranges, so to speak. We're struggling with their relationship. Man, that is so great. If I had that, my life would be amazing. No, not you, right? We're in church. We're struggling with their Range Rovers. We're struggling with their off-roading vehicles. And that is a temptation for some of us. <laughs> but you go, man, if I could just have that, that would be so amazing. Look at this piece of junk I drive. If I could just have a reliable car, if I could just have this super car, if I could, if I just drive down the street and people look at me, man, I would be so cool. 
Then I would get the respect that I want. Then I would be valuable. If I could just live in that neighborhood, you know, if I could just have that job, that would be so amazing. And we're in church. We would never say that, but we do it too. And we're jealous of people. And we don't even realize that they just exchange their soul for what? And when Jesus said it, you go, man, that, that it, that makes sense, right? That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. And yet every single one of us have done it. As human beings, every one of us have exchanged it for the most valuable thing. Jesus says people do it because of religious traditions sometimes. That these traditions get so rooted in their lives that they cannot give them up to follow the truth. And those were the people that killed Jesus. All they had to do was say, yeah, Jesus, you are the Messiah. Just one little thing. But their traditions were powerful. That people exchange it and they exchange it for one thing. Sin. Whatever you exchange your soul for is sin. All the things I've already mentioned and more. Because it, it's, it's not right. You're giving up something of value for something temporary. And I am too. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Well, maybe you wouldn't give up your soul for this orange. What about when trouble comes your way? Would you give it up to make it a little easier? How about hardship? How about illness? How about cancer? How about tragedy? How about difficulty moving? How about a wheelchair? How about discouragement? Divorce? So many times we feel like, man, if I just get off of this spiritual thing, then my life's going to get easier. Then my life's going to get better. Then it's going to, you know, it's going to be easy street and we realize, we don't realize that all that is a lie. And yet when we get to a point of suffering, it makes sense. And it may not happen now, but it will. I've had that happen in my life. Not again. And guess what? It's going to happen again. Because we live in an evil world. This world is fallen. Bad things are going to happen. And they're not caused by God, but sometimes they sure feel like they are. I felt that way. And I have a choice. Am I going to give up my soul? And give up the the race, or am I going to continue on like Jesus? For this very hour I came to this. There's no way I'm going to give this up. Father, glorify your name. In 1 Peter 2, 11. It's getting quieter in here. This is a deep sermon. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles... 
to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, wage war against your soul. That there's a war going on right now. And I've been reading Psalm 144 every day. And the first line is, God trains my hands for war. That there's a spiritual war going on that if we're soft spiritually, we're losing. If we're not fighting for people's souls, if we're not fighting for people's souls, we're not even living. If you live your life and you are not fighting for your soul or fighting for other people's souls, you are dead spiritually. Because that's what it's all about. That's the most valuable thing you can ever give your life up for. It's for your own soul or for the souls of those around you. If your friends are not fighting for your soul, are they really friends? I would say spiritually they're not. Because they're not fighting for the most valuable thing that we have. That God wants us to fight for souls and fight for our own soul. And it's amazing how we cannot even realize that we're losing this fight. You know, Jesus said of some people that they exchanged their soul and they didn't even know it. Well, what do you mean? He said that people are going to get to heaven and say, Jesus, I did this. Jesus, I did this. I did this and I did that all at church. And he's going to say, I never knew you. That we can, even our religious deeds can become exchanged for what our soul is, for the most important thing. Even for here, us. You know, the good news is, say we... It made this exchange, and I, I was going to throw this orange on the ground, but it's already open, so it would make a big mess. But you pretend I just <laughs> threw it down. But if you forsake your idol and trash it, then God can give you your soul back. And that's the whole idea, right? To get your soul back, to get the valuable thing that you let go back. You know, I want to repeat a story that I heard from a fam- from one of our uh, famous preachers. Some kind of adaptation. Sean Wooten, I'll give him credit. Mm-hmm. Last summer, uh, my family and I, we went to uh, from LAX to Dubai to visit our churches over there. And it's probably the, it was like the one of the top 10 longest flights in the, in the world. It was like 15 and a half hours. And that, that's a long flight, man. You try to figure out, I think I watched like four movies, you know, slept. I mean, it was like a whole, the flight was like this whole uh, endeavor trying to get comfortable. And, you know, there was one guy on the plane, and it wasn't Connor. I was going to say it was Connor, but it wasn't Connor. He got up in the middle of the, of the flight, and he took out his carry on and he started unpacking he started taking out his t-shirts and folding them up and putting them up on the shelf above his seat you know he took out his socks he started hanging his shirts up on the windows of the airplane took his toothbrush out put it in the 
thing right in front, the uh, where the magazines are. Then it was kind of an, a big plane with an oversized aisle, so he took his pillow out, put it on the ground, put down a sleeping bag, and like went to sleep, like right in the middle of the aisle, blocking up the whole thing. And we're all looking at him going, you don't unpack on the flight. What's wrong with you? Fictional story, obviously. (laughs) It's just the flight. That's not where we're going. Yet so many of us, we get comfortable on our flight and we don't realize that this is not the final destination. Earth is not it. We're going somewhere and we're going to be with God. Don't get too comfortable. Don't unpack. Don't get settled. Don't exchange your soul for something that will be useless when we land. And that's what it's going to come down to at some point. That God wants us to give him back what he gave to us. To give our soul back to him and be reunited with Christ. You know, if you still are holding on to the orange when you die, then you don't have anything to give back. And that's about how it will go. Point number three, give your soul to God. There's always a point when we're struggling to follow Christ and things don't really make sense. You ever been there? You're reading the Bible. You're not quite connecting. I remember going to church, and then I'd go home, and I would forget everything that the guy said, but it sounded really good while I was there. And trying to figure out what is real, what is this soul thing all about? And then at some point or another, the scales come off, and it makes sense. Wow. All I need to do is give my soul to God, You know, there's more to do than just that, but there's that commitment. God, I'm going to follow you wherever you want me to go. And at some, whenever you get to that point, it doesn't matter what you got to do because you're connected with your creator. And everything else falls in line. And so many of you have done that in your life. We're going to read in a little bit about the churches in Revelation that they already had made the exchange and they got their soul back, but they were, if they didn't change, they were going to give their soul away a second time. Just because they were right with God once, all seven churches, if they didn't radically change, were going to give it back and not be able to make it. And I pray that today that you are willing to make the decision that you made at the beginning. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I'm going to go wherever he wants me to go. I'm going to give my soul to God. This is the only thing that matters. This is the only decision that matters. That nothing else in my life is going to matter except if I am right with God or if you're right with God. All the other things will fade away. And I pray that today you make that decision, whether that's the first time or whether it's the current time. 
Because I believe we're going to have to make that decision over and over and over and over. In 1 Peter 2, he says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That they were still alive, but they had already returned to God and the overseer of their souls. In 1 Peter 1, 9, it says that they were receiving the goal of their faith and they were still alive. So even in this life, we have attained the goal of our faith. That we get to turn it in and get the true prize at the end. In Revelation 6, we're closing out here. It says, He opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they maintained. He saw those that were willing to die for their faith and that they maintained their faith to the very end. That implies that they had a chance to give it away at some point. And I pray that today that you are even more determined to put your faith in Christ, to give him your whole heart. In a church this size, I'm sure there's a lot of us that are struggling. That we don't have the first love that we had at first. That we tolerate sin in our lives. Sexual sin and other sin, materialism, selfishness, pride. Maybe we don't tolerate it in ourselves, but we tolerate it in our brothers and sisters. And we just kind of look the other way. And we're not the shepherds that we need to be for them. You know, maybe our life is so difficult and so challenging that we're thinking of giving up. Every single one of those things I just mentioned is exactly where the church in Revelations was at this time. Tolerating sin in themselves and in others, lukewarm, lost their first love, getting tired. I pray that we can finish the race, not just start, but finish the race. And the cool thing about it is that when you give your soul to God, then you get connected with everyone else who has done the same. You know, we have these special relationships, you know, like I can look on my wife's ring and see, you know, this is her from her mother. You know, we, we're connected to similar souls who have done the same thing spiritually. And today it's kind of cool. Uh, that's why I threw the horns to Josh back there, because if it wasn't for his mom, Danielle wouldn't be here right now and our family wouldn't be here. You know, she's the one that studied the Bible with Danielle back in Boston about 30 years ago. Uh, Dean, I pr- might not have been in the ministry if it wasn't for Dean. He was kind of one of my mentors that helped me to go in the ministry. And now we're hanging out today with his son and just like, wow, this is so amazing that God knits your lives together because of one thing, because of our souls being connected to him. We have some amazing blessings as a result. And we're going to take communion here as we look at Jesus. 
He said, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The curtain was torn and he had finished the race. He was actually had that moment. And we've all heard about this, that there's sometimes that people don't pass until somebody shows up. Until somebody calls on the phone, until somebody leaves, that God actually gave Jesus this opportunity to give his soul back to God. You know, and I picture him with that soul just saying, God, it's finished. I can go back home. I can give you back what you gave me when I came down here. I can open the door for all of you. I pray that today in the quietness of communion that you think about your soul. That you value what God has given you. That you are determined to not exchange it. And if you have exchanged it for something else, that you will get it back. And that you will give your soul to God again and again until you finish. And we all get to our final destination. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to come to you. Thank you for the value that you put on each one of us, even confirming it by the death of your son. God, showing us how valuable we are, that you would do anything in your power to get us back. That wasn't just a parable that Jesus told. That was a life that he lived. I pray that we can uh, take that to heart and be determined to live the same life to make it to heaven, and to help many others to get there as well. God, thank you for the body and blood that he shed for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.